Welcome to the Intentional Guy Podcast, where we are driven to help men become more intentional and purposeful in their daily lives. Your host, Michael Chestnut, will interview amazing guests to get insight and glean wisdom from so we can integrate intentional living and lead happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives. All right, let's get started with the show. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Intentional Guy. Not only are we um, got a new episode today, it's our 70th episode as well. So something to really celebrate today. One of the best things that I like about our podcast is bringing on guests who have unique stories to share with us. Because in our journey, sometimes it's the things that we think that are going to break us that can make us maybe even stronger. And I think a lot of it is decided by choice. And so today I'm bringing to you um, author and speaker Ahmad Vital. Did I say that right? You did. Yes, sir. Good. So I, I'm usually I'm, I'm hitting those right on on head lately, but uh, I'm dyslexic with my mouth sometimes. So sometimes I say things backwards. But Ahmad, it's so good to have you on here. And, and I've read just a little bit of your story and it's unique, um, but also very similar to, to other people where they can relate to this. And um, I know you're you're an author of now what? Five steps to get and create the best of life. Uh, so I'm interested in hearing about your book as well. Uh, the title really has me intrigued. But Ahmad, if you would tell us a little bit about about you and if you would uh, share with us your story. Well, first of all, Michael, thank you for having me on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here uh, with your with yourself and with your audience. Uh, I always like to say, you know, our, our biographies, our resumes are extremely long. It's got a lot of layers to it. But at the core, I always just say I'm just I'm a writer. I'm a I'm a guy from a small town in in Texas with a pen in his hand and a dream. And, and writing has always been the skill that I feel like I've been blessed with. Um, I've been writing since about eight years old, wrote my first book at 11, um, went through all of the journalism. I was working for community newspapers. By the time I was 14, I was the editor of my high school newspaper, majored in journalism in college, came out of college and worked at the largest community newspaper chain, started online blogging with college football recruiting. So writing has been the foundation of everything I do. Yes, I'm a mental performance coach. Yes, I'm a keynote speaker. Yes, I write curriculum for nonprofits. Yes, I'm a ministry leader. But everything starts with a pen. And that's really the foundation of, of where I've come from. Um, I may have not adhered to the calls that God has given me all my life. But I know one thing, me picking up a pen has uh, has has always been consistent, even if I hadn't always done it uh, to glorify him in the best way possible. I have made sure that to use that gift. And now, obviously, I'm using it for so many other things. And that's obviously going to lead us into a number of the things that drew me closer to him that I know that we're going to, to focus on today. But at the foundation of me, with all the titles that are out there, me, Ahmad Vital, is first and foremost a writer. Awesome. Awesome. So the book, Now What? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Best of Life. That came out, you said you wrote that during 2020? Yes, I worked that during the summer of 2020. Um, I was uh, I was on the highway. I was on one of our tollways out here in in Houston, and I just I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to some news commentary, and I just had enough. I was tired of the conversation of what's owed, what's deserved, what's what's in it for me, what about me. And I was just like, when did we just completely get away from the idea of personal responsibility? get away from the idea of serving one another, get away from the idea that delayed gratification is one of the greatest things that God ever put us through, where it's the trial and error. There's the caterpillar to the butterfly. There's a growth process. There's a hero's journey. And I, all the conversations were just around, you owe me just because for some undisclosed reason. And I, I decided, I said, you know what? I want to put something together because I started to notice there was a lot of young people that who were losing their way and, and, you know, coming out of college or hadn't gone to college. And it was just, it was a lot of uncertainty. 
whether it's useless degrees, whether it's lack of skills. And it was just, it was just a bunch of, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So you need to take care of me. And I was just over it. I mean, cause I mean, everything in 2020, you know, no matter where your audience falls on it, it was, you know, it was social, political, it was spiritual, it was cultural, it was racial, it was everything all at the same time. And it was like, you know what? We need to get up, look in the mirror, take responsibility for what we have going on and figure out a way to come out of it. And if you don't know how to do that, we need to we need to put together some some plans in place to be able to do that. And so now what was built out of that and obviously it's five steps to get up and create the most of life. I had done I did a couple of profiles during that time because I had a had a, a friend of mine who was going through some hard times and I'm talking like legal issues, marital issues, uh, child issues, financial issues, uh, just all sorts of things. And so I went by to go see him and I was unpacking and doing my coach notebook thing. And I was just going through it. And I was just like, everywhere I kept turning, it was an issue. And I was like, God, what do you want me to do here? Like every, there's a roadblock. Like you're supposed to give me a light somewhere in the tunnel, right? At least a flashlight, a match, something. And so I started looking at different profiles of people who are like in the worst case scenario. I'm talking about like you're in the Valley and you don't have a clue of North, South, East or West. And so now what focuses on five steps to be able to help someone who wants to make a major transition or is stuck in what they seem to be a an unwinnable situation in their life. And so we focus first on reflection. You can't know where you're going until you know where you are and how the heck did we get here? Right. You're sitting in your you're sitting in your room and you're like, okay, there's a pile of dirty clothes in front of me. You know, there's a fire going on in the kitchen. There's kids screaming in the other room. And by the way, the lights are going to get cut off tomorrow. And you're like, okay, what do we have here? And so we go through an assessment. It's like, hey, where in your life is everything just completely terrible? And I want you to write it down. Like, I want you to write down every everywhere where you think your life is completely horrible. And we're going to look through all of those things. And then on the other side of it, I want us to say, okay, why is this so horrible thing going on in my life. Why is it a great blessing or what good is within that? Very tough and emotional exercise to do, but it is needed. And and it's one of the things that I use when I was coming out of the the death of my father. But when you can assess and say, okay, I, and the thing is, is that you look at all of this mess and you take responsibility for all of it. And somebody remember, well, it's not my fault. Sure. That very well could be the case, but it's still your problem. When I run into when I run into young children, you know, their 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 mom's on drugs and their dad is in jail. It's not their fault, but they're nine years old and they still have to deal with that. It's their problem, even though they did. They technically didn't do anything wrong. They're a minor, but that's still they have to deal with the ramifications of that. And so even as adults, there may be some things that are going on. Maybe it was a loss of a family member. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was an abusive relationship. You still were there. I'm not blaming you, but it's still something that you have to unpack and deal with. And so reflection allows us to look in the mirror and own all of it. And then we go into decision. We go into the decide chapter. Okay, this is all a mess. Now, what do you want to do? Do you want to become a teacher? Do you want to become a stockbroker? Do you want to become a lawyer? Do you want to become a doctor? Do you want to be, you know, an assistant manager at at a packing plant? What do you want to do? And so now we go through somewhat of the goal stage of like, okay, if things were going well, what would you be doing with your life? Let's look at what it is you want, you know? And now I know we have a lot of good Christian people out there. And I know that we all know the scripture with God, all things are possible. And I'm absolutely here for that. However, when you're in this situation, there's possible and then there's probable. And what do I mean by that? Meaning right now, if I wanted to be an astronaut, could I be a astronaut? I could. It is possible. Probable? Not so much, right? There's a lot of lessons that need to be learned. There's a lot of studying that needs to be learned. I'm already in my 40s. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. But if we're talking about getting from point A to point B and we have a structure in place, that is a long shot of a long shot of a long shot. And I want people, especially when you're coming out of the valley, we need some steps to start seeing some wins. So even though that may be a goal that we want to achieve, 
we need to scale it, meaning that there's other things we need to do in the short term to get there. And that's what we do in the decisions, in the decision mm-hmm. stage is deciding what is going to get us out of here as soon as possible to move us towards a larger goal. And so that's when we obviously come out of decision. We go into the planning phase. Now we start looking at, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I want to start a family. I want to write a book. I want to launch a podcast. Okay, let's work in reverse. What can we do every day to lead us to that? What do we need? Do we need funding? Do we need um, some education? Do we need uh, some equipment? What do we need to be able to make this happen? And what are the steps to getting the equipment, getting the education? Do we need do we need some cash? Is there is there is what I want to do available where I live, right? If you live in the inner city and you want to be a farmer, I'm going to say you probably need to move a little bit out to where there's some land to where you can do some things. Probably not in the heart of New York City. Do you want to start a garden? I'm just saying. So we start looking into all of those things and we start the planning phase. And once you get through planning as much as you can, because you'll never have all the plans in place. Now we go into action. And yes, you will not have it all figured out. In fact, more than likely you will fail multiple times when you're going through the plans that you just got through working on, because that is part of the plan to deal with those types of things. And so we look at all of those things and we go into action and we just and we just go for it. We start making the moves, start working the jobs that's going to lead us to the jobs. You know, Michael, a lot of times I work with a lot of young people and, you know, they have this big dream of things that they want to do. And, you know, they're taught to, you know, do what makes you happy. That's not very good advice. That's not very good advice at all, because sometimes you have to. In fact, most of the times you need to go through a season of stuff that's not so happy to get you to where you want to go. You may have to work that third shift at Best Buy to fund your schooling to get you to the goal you want to go. You don't you don't get to live the YOLO life. Right. Everything is not happy. Everything is not ice cream and pizza. Okay, we don't get we don't get that. Sometimes you got to go through those seasons where it's like, hey, we got to buckle down and it's time to put on our coveralls and take our suits off. And so in the action phase, we go through those processes of doing those types of things. Of course, the last and I feel like one of the most important chapters is to seek and seeking counsel. You are not going to be able to get where you're trying to get by yourself. I know society is telling you just, you know, you know, get into your silos, get into your secret place and you'll figure it out. That's nonsense. And anyone say, who says they've reached success by themselves is lying because we all need people. We all need a community. We all need advisors. And so in the seek chapter, I, I tell, and I tell young men this now, put together you a council, like a board of directors, right? Mm-hmm. You need a mentor. You need someone who, when you write down those, those goals on plain tablets, that you hand them over to them and say, look, this is what I want to accomplish in the next six months. Can you hold me accountable for these? And, and we typically look through all seven areas of life, physical, spiritual, mental, financial, family, business. We have all the different areas of life and we come together with goals for all of those. And you hand them over to someone and say, you hold me accountable for this. Because what you'll learn as you're going through this and you want to achieve big things, the first one of the first things I tell people is get the yes people out of your life. Get the yes people out of your life from the standpoint of being an advisor to you, because yes, people will, will lead you to a very bad place. The people who, you know, Hey, Michael, every episode you put out is awesome. Everything you put your hands on is awesome. Every business you launch is awesome. Every show is great. And it's like, but was it, you want someone who loves you enough, but can also credit, not really uh, to give you constructive criticism because you'll never grow. If everyone around you is just like, you're the best, you're cool. and, And they're just, they're all more so groupies or fans as opposed to people who are going to be critical of you and what you're trying to do because you're trying to grow. And so your mentor needs to be someone who loves you, but also can, can correct you uh, yep. like a very stern parent, like my father was. Uh, and you want that. And you also want someone who's, you could be an apprentice for, let's say you want to go into HVAC work or you want to go into mechanical work. Who's the best mechanic in your area? You know, go to him as a servant, go to him as an apprentice, go to him with full humility and say, hey, is there any opportunities for me to put in a few hours around here and learn from you and shadow you or whatever? Like start doing those types of things. You know, maybe the person you need is not near you. I, um, one of my guys I, I've worked with, uh, Dr. Greg Reed said, the most successful people are the most available people. And people think the opposite. 
People think you can't get to these people you see with these mm-hmm. large followers on social media. When in actuality, if you just send a message out to them, they probably will reply or someone in their team will reply. And so reach out to those people and see if you can, you know, work something with, out with them where you get a 10 minute, 15 minute phone call with them every week, every other week. Who knows? Maybe you can get that, you know, high level motivational speaker, that author, that coach. Maybe you can get them on the line. Maybe you can work something out with them. Be humble. Tell them what you're trying to do. And I think that's somebody else you need in your council. And I also think you need somebody to be in your corner. I always said you have three. So you have the mentor, you have the, the expert in your field. And the last one is, is, uh, is your kind of a spiritual advisor. You know, it can be a, it can be a pastor. It can be a deacon. It can be a ministry leader. You want someone who can be in your life and hold you accountable from a moral standpoint. Everything you do may not be illegal, but it's like you want someone who's just like, you know, maybe that's just not the right way to do things. Maybe you shouldn't present in this type of way. Maybe you shouldn't say these types of things. Maybe you shouldn't pursue this. Like someone who can be like, it's not illegal, but it's just not cool to do that. So you want someone who's going to hold you from a moral standpoint to say, here, here's a better way to do this. Here's a better way to ask this. Here's a better way to present this. And I think those three people can be the foundation. Now you can add more, but I think those core three can take someone and bring them to a situation where they can get themselves out of that situation, humble themselves before others to be able to get the intended results they're looking to have. Yeah. I think it was Craig Cruchel that said that we're like the sum of the five people that we associate with. And one of the biggest problems I see with men is we don't have good close friends. We don't have a good inner circle of friends. And I like that you said we we don't need yes people in our life. You know, that's that's I mean, we have our moms and and stuff for that. Right. But uh, (laughs) one of my favorite show that I like to watch is American Idol because and I don't like the host season. I just like the tryout season. I like because you've got all these people who they have a desire to want to sing. And and, you know, there was one episode I remember when it first started with this young girl, prettiest Southern Belle you ever saw. I think from your your home state of Texas that went up there and Simon Cowell was just like, wow, okay, You know, she looked like the whole package. She looked great. She he was tell us about she said, I just love to sing. And she had that great voice that you know, the Southern Bell voice and all that. And they said, okay, we'll sing for us. Once she started singing, it was horrible. It was, and you'd see them just like looking at each other, going like this. And then when Simon stops her and he asks her, who, honey, who told you you could sing? And she's like, my mama, as proud as she could, you know? And he was like, well, your mama lied to you. And it was a dramatic episode where she threw water <laughs> in his face, things like that. But the point is, there's a lot of things you said just a minute ago, and I like it. Sometimes we need people to tell us that it's not realistic, what we're wanting. Yet your joy to sing is is a real joy. And, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But is that something you need to, you're going to try and make your career? Because if you want to do that, then you need to get singing lessons. You need to do this. And what I find out is there's a lot of people well, and this was me. I, 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 I was a performance-based Christian, and I knew what people wanted from me, and I could pretend to be what you needed me to be, but I was unhappy inside of me because um, I had no real vision. I had no real goals. I knew what everybody expected and wanted from me. Mm. So until I did exactly the things that you said, um it was a messed up life and it took tragedy in my life to make me seek counseling to do to turn all that around and i know uh part of your story is some tragedy that helped turn you around that if you're willing to share with us today or add to but i do know that we get to make choices and the better we're prepared and prepare ourselves and surround ourselves with the right people, the better our chances are of being successful. But also we got to have the goals. We've got to have the things and we need people to bounce them off. 
You know, I go every Thursday night to a men's group just to make myself better. Mm, good. good. You know, so uh, if you would share a little bit more with us um, on that subject. Well, I mean, there's multiple there's multiple turning points that happened in my life. Uh, right before I wrote Awaken the Baller Within, there was a big turning point from a relational standpoint. Uh, but I think that the biggest key of my turning around to lead me stronger in my faith, at least part one of it, because I still fell flat four more times in life, but what's new? Who's counting? Um, was I had just I had just written Awaken the Baller Within, which is crazy because it was tragedy that helped me write Awaken the Baller Within. And then it was a tragedy after Awaken the Baller Within was published that wow. got me to where I am now. Um, I I was 33 years old. I just had a birthday. I was engaged to be married. And my father was to even sing at my wedding like six months later. And I remember um, Awaken the Ball Within was just published. And anyone who's been an author knows that, you know, they send you your author copies early. And this publisher had hardback books and they only sent me 10 of them. And I was like, I had one with my father's name on it. And uh, it, it, the books that came in like that Saturday before my birthday was on that Tuesday. And my intention was to go see him on Saturday, you know, and do the, the, the father son thing, you know, come by, maybe bring a couple of cold ones by. I got my new book day. Let's sit down in the backyard and let's, let's just have, you know, father son time. Well, that time never happened because I got five screaming messages on my cell phone the night before. And, it's my mother saying that my father's dying. And at that time I was, I don't want to say I was a lukewarm Christian, but I, I was, I was in a church that represented Christianity, but welcomed other world religions as well. So it's hard to like decipher what that was. Like we, we, we read the Bible. It was based on Christ, but we also welcomed in other world religions, whether it was Hindu, Buddhism, and all those different things like that. And so at the time in my life, I'm thinking this is the best thing for me. I get to represent my Lord and Savior and I can use some great practices from somewhere else. Lord knows I've seen where that led me, but the beautiful thing at the time, at the time, that's what right. was needed. Again, we start talking about making on that path. It was a path right. God had for me the whole time and I just didn't know it. And so at that time, I was really leaning in on the whole secret. The thoughts are things manifesting and all that. So when my mom <laughs> called me with that, I was just like, huh, whatever. All right, God, check this out. So I'm like talking to him like I'm 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 almost arrogant about this. Like, I already know you said you said you'll never leave me. Hey, you said just ask and it'll be done. All right, make sure my dad walks out of this hospital. We're gonna go down here and see what my mom's talking about. So I'm literally praying and driving with a level of spiritual arrogance that I can't even fathom right now. And I go down there and I'm pulling up and I'm still like, yeah, this is happening. And then it's like trail of tears, 9-11 in the shuttle Columbia, all in one in this mm. hospital. Families lined on the hallway. And I'm just like, okay, so this is God giving me a little bit of a wake up call. But I'm still, I'm still leaning on, on the same. I still got a little bit of that arrogance left in me. So I'm like, my mom's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, all right, mom, don't worry about it. Your son's here. Bring me to doctors. Bring me to nurse. Let's talk about this because I already talked to God. So this is done. And, you know, they say, you know, you're dad has about a 4% chance of living. I'm like, a winner only needs it to be more than one. So whatever, let's do this. So I grab my, grab my siblings around. I'm like, look, we have to all be on one accordance. Our dad's walking out of here. Are we in agreement? Okay, cool. So those numbers are dropping. And now mind you, I hadn't walked in there to go see my father yet because I'm still on my high horse. And then eventually I was like, you know, let me go see what's going on in here. And I remember walking in there and seeing my dad on that bed. And like my whole, my heart just sunk because I'm looking at him. And for the first time, I don't feel like my dad is there at all. Like I, like he's looking at me and I didn't feel it. And I think that's when the reality hit in. I was just like, all right, what am I doing? And of course, um, then it came that pivotal time when he's only being alive on machines. So my mom's like, I don't know what to do. And I, I looked over at my dad and I'm seeing the state of being that he's in after suffering from what he was dealing with. And I said, 
My dad is the strongest man I know. He would not want us keeping him alive on the machines, nor can anyone in here mentally handle our dad just sitting around, just waiting for the inevitable. So I said, turn the machines off, let my dad fight and let him go and let him go and let him, if it's meant to be, I'm, I'm letting God take it from here. If, if it's meant to be, let him, let him fight. My dad fought for four more hours and by 4.53, it was over. And of course, everyone's in their emotional state. I'm hurt, but I'm also pissed off because I remember I talked to God and we, we already, I thought we had an agreement, right? We, we already discussed this and what's, what's going on here. You got my mom over here distraught. My brother's over there in the corner and I say anything. My sister's just pacing around. Like, so I went outside in the hospital, in the, in the, in the parking lot and I'm screaming at God in the parking lot with my tears and my sweat. I'm like, really? Like we discussed this. You told me, I, I, I asked you for one thing. I didn't ask you for a million dollars. I didn't ask you for my book to be a bestseller. I said, make sure my father walks out of this hospital. And I feel like you didn't hear me. So what's up? What do you got for me? And people are like, oh, you can't talk to God like that. That night I did, period. So um, after I got over myself, the still small voice, the sweet angelic voice, it's so beautiful, said, um, I heard you and I did give you what you want. Uh, your father will walk out of here, but he'll walk out of here as you. Um, he's giving you everything he's need. You need your work ethic, the uh, the morals, the integrity. Um, mm-hmm. You know what you're supposed to stand for. The what your father embodied is in you. Now go out and be the man your heavenly father and your earthly father has called you to be. And at that point in time, I didn't know. Like it was just like it was like my heart just fell out of my chest and then popped back in. Yeah. It, it was it, it was it was rough. Because it was like, wow, like God loved me so much that he needed to humble me to this point. And I saw death, life, faith, everything different after that. Because that was probably one of the first times that my heavenly father really intervened and just came, you know, in the form, almost like that, that figure when, you know, when the disciple says that Jesus, like, there's a ghost, like, no, he's here. And it was like, it wasn't something I could see, but it was just a presence I can feel. And I was, I was just out of there and it was beautiful, but in it, and it just changed my whole idea of life, death, faith, believing, submission, um, humility. And I've never gone back to that place again, but that was, that was a major turning point for me. Um, I still did remain at that church, but little did I know that, that was the start of something new for me. Mm. You know, my heart goes out because there's there's so many people who, uh, men, that we, I, I think a lot of things are perspective. And we have to be willing to let our paradigm change. Uh, like you said, you know, at first it was like, you know, God, we're in agreement. God's going to do this. But then you walked in there and you saw something different that changed your paradigm um, to more reality because you had facts um, you, and you got to see. Right. Yes. And um, a lot of times feelings and emotions lead us down the wrong path, which is why these steps that you talked about in your book are so important, because I think we live in an emotionally led generation right now where everything is about emotions and feelings and not about facts and, and, and not about God and not even about our loved ones, our family members. It's, it's about self gratification and uh, my own personal agenda. And so, you know, in that, I, I, I've I've met a lot of other people who were hurting just like me, that were lost just like me, who are just trying to find their way in this journey. And, you know, like your story, it's a painful story. You know, um, we just lost my dad um, uh, May 5th of this year, you know, uh, but 
he's just like you said, my dad, my dad was, was a man of integrity and he was, he was a, he was a good man of God. He helped so many people in their life. He gave me the example uh, of to follow, you know, and to, to keep going. And um, today what I realized, there's a lot of people who don't even have those good role models. They don't even know what a Christian looks like. They don't even know what a good man of God looks like. People also don't realize that their everyday life is a ministry. You know, I've got some friends, they want, they think that ministry is being a pastor in the church and this and that. No, your life is a ministry. Your, your job is a ministry. Your kids are your ministry. Your neighbor is your ministry. You know, those people, those things and people that God bring into your life are our ministry. And it's so important that we be grounded in the right thing. And as some people are listening to this, they know they're not grounded. They know they're led by emotions or led by feelings. And um, I believe you offer coaching and some other things like that. And I got to be honest with you. That's exactly what I did. And it turned, it just turned everything around for me because I ended up having to find out. I had to go back to my past a little bit and understand where I came from, where I was at to figure out where I, where I was going next. So you've hit all the spots that I had to go through. And I know there's several people out there right now. So someone's listening to us. They're in that fog of um, defeat. I, I don't know what you would call it, uh, but they're hearing this. We're offering hope, right? We're offering hope. Uh, what's What are some of the first steps that you would suggest? to those men listening right now that they can do right, right now, this week, this week, first and foremost, um, I will start with repent. I will start with, I will start with father. You know, cause, cause God knows, uh, but the recognition needs to come from you, uh, to know that you have all fallen short because we all have, um, but when we recognize that we have fallen short, it's it's a beautiful thing because once you once you own it, it's like it's like they say, you know, once you once you admit to something, then it becomes real. Because see, if you don't own it as something that's real, it'll always stay hidden in the closet. It'll always stay buried or whatever. You have to bring you have to look at what your flaws are and bring them to the front and say, okay, I I I, I see you. I see the giant. I see the, the the Goliath. I see the battle that is before me. Now let me put on my armor and let's go to war. I know this this is the one thing. Whether it's lack of focus, whether it's lust, whether it's um, dishonesty, whether it's lack of forgiveness, uh, whatever it is, you know you know the crutch you have, and it's time it's time to pull it out, put it on put it on the table, put it on your desk right in front of you, and look at it and say, I know you're here. I know, I know the evil. I know the dark cloud. I know you are. You know what? But I have a light that dispels all darkness. And so I need you to start, I need you to own up to what to what you know, whether it's your idol, whether it's your 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 sin, whether it's your uh where where you lack. I need you to put that on the table, right? First and foremost. Then I need you to go ahead and, and and pull out that Bible. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's dusty, maybe it's sitting on the end of that uh into that nightstand or whatever, it's time to pull it yeah. up and I need you to open it up. Get you a good Bible-based plan. When people say, well, I don't know where to start in the Bible. It's like, hey, you know, if you don't know where to start, I got an idea. Start in Proverbs and start with the Gospels. And that's a good, that's a good yeah. starter place to go. If you want to, if you want to jump into the word, go into the Gospels, Matthew, Mag uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Proverbs. That's a good starter. There's a lot of good Bible, uh, a lot of good uh men Bible studies out there. Um yeah. And by the way, um, and I don't want you reading your Bible on your phone. I want you reading your Bible from the Bible. I want a physical Bible. I want you detached from all technology when you do this. Um, why? Why? The, why do you say that? I think I know why you're saying that. But what? What's the reason behind that? Because we become slaves to our phones. Yeah. And 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 there's too many other things going on in there. Text messages, uh, notifications from social media. Uh, go get uh, cheap gas here. 
I, I don't care what it is. It's too many distractions on your phone. Yeah. Because the same thing that's going on with teenagers is going on with grown people too. Because the smartphone has become has become the new idol. Yeah, you be, you become a slave to it, and I need you to detach, right? Mm, I need you good. to go up to your mountainside. And by the way, on top of all that, when we're talking about repenting, you know, because the repenting, the Bible study, and the prayer, all those can, all those can be done on your own, and specifically need to be done by yourself. Right. These are these are your this is your secret spot. This is you going up into the mountains. This is this is you. you This is Jesus taking Peter, James and John. And he had to go steal away and go recharge himself. But before you can go recharge yourself, you need to own up to what you've already done. And we've all been somewhere. Right. Maybe you have a little discourse in your marriage. Maybe you have a little, you know, you have some detachment with your with your kids. Right. You have you need to own all of that, because once we can once we can address what that is then we can move forward. And I would say that probably the third thing to come out of this is go find you a church, a Bible-based church, as soon as possible. Find you a group, find you a group of men, find you a group of, of righteous married family men to, to get in your corner. Maybe you're a single guy, maybe you're a married guy. Either way, go find you a group of men who are standing on what God is calling them to do and get with those guys. Get in, get in a men's group. We have a couple of men's group at our at our place right now. Uh, get get connected with other men who are moving in the way you want to move. Don't do not try to figure this out on your own. And when you go there, open up in humility. Just pour it out there, right? If you get involved with the with the right group, I know when when I come in, I always say, man, I can I can literally come into my church as I am. And some days I come in, I was like, you know what? I don't even know what's wrong. I just know that something's not right. And I was like, I don't even know what to tell you to pray for me for. And you know what? I got twenty hands on me. I got ten. I got ten men, five men, circle around me, saying, "Hey, our brother Maud is in, isn't a week for we know not what this is. Whatever his his crutch, whatever his stronghold, whatever dark cloud is over him, we we reject it now in the mighty name of Jesus. Those types of things. You need men in your life who will come in and do those types of things. Pull you aside, and I'm not talking about, hey, I'll pray for you when I get home. No, I'm praying for you right now. Yes, right. I'm bringing you right now, yes. right. And we're gonna do this on the spot. We do this all the time. You need to get around men." Who will do that for you? This is not about trying to show how strong you are because the strength is in saying, you know what? Right now I'm weak. Yes. And I have nothing. My tank is empty. When you can get to the point where you're doing that and you got a group of men around you, because see, once you get involved with those men and they know that you're a loving light and you're the Christ-like figure you're called to be, now there's there's a group of people, neither one of us are going to let each other fail. Yeah. Right. I got brothers all over the place where it's just like you come in. It's like, you know what? Something in my spirit is saying something's going on with you. And it's just like, man, you know, like, come on, let's go do this right now. And, and 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 you need that. So if you're if you're feeling in a place in a dark place, man, go find some light. Start with yourself and immediately go find you a Bible study. Go find you a church group. And I know the online thing is great. And I don't I don't discard that. But you need to walk into a physical yes. location. Yes. You need to walk into somewhere where you can go in, stick a hand out and pull someone in and say, I love you, brother. That's what you need. Not, if you're not this physical digital age. Yeah. You, you, need, you, you need physical contact. I know COVID has taught us to just go into our yeah. place and just do all this stuff online. That's over. Get yourself to somewhere where there's a physical church and there's a pastor who speaks the word and you get in there and you find those men of the church and connect with them. And you and you share with them your story and you listen to their stories and you come together. Like you said, like the, the, the whole iron sharpens iron, that is real. Like yes. our, our, our men's group at our church has grown immensely. We we when I first got there, we were probably in the 200s. Now we're pushing over 350, 350 men between the ages of 19 up to 80 in one room, worshiping together, praying for one another listening to great messages or whatever. Do not find you a group of men immediately. Find you a group of men immediately. I cannot stress that enough. My life changed when I found a Bible-based church, started connecting with good men. They saw my heart and now they are there for me at every turn from every level, from 21 years old up to 85. They are all there for me. We're not meant to do life alone. That's why we go into battle together, right? Because right yeah. now we're fighting a battle. And like you said, you are absolutely correct. It's so feelings-based. Where are the stoic, pragmatic, um, uh, uh, 
that men who, who make decisions based on what's best for the situation, not on fleeting feelings. It's interesting. Our youth pastor just recently said something that says your feelings will always lie to you. Yeah, they will always lie to you. And you know what feelings does? This is what feelings does. And this is why a lot of men you're talking about are caught up. Feelings lead to desires and desires lead to sin. Yeah. Right. Because you got to stop that. And, he, mm-hmm. and, he, and I attribute that to our, to our awesome youth pastor over at Grace Woodlands who, who shared those words with us, man. He said that those things will happen when you don't, because remember, we're always tempted. We're always tempted because that's the, that, that's, that's, that's the, that's the enemy's the chief aim is to, to tempt us, to get us to go into the next level. Yeah. The tempting is not the sin. The action is the sin. Yes. Because remember, Jesus was tempted a lot, but he, uh-uh. I, I'm I'm not gonna turn the stone into bread. I'm not gonna throw myself off of this. You have no power here. You can push me to the absolute edge, but I am gonna stand true to the word of my father. And we as men have to get back to that. But the only way yeah. we're gonna get back to that is to submit ourselves to each other and have some humility and allow someone in to bring us to a place where it's just like, brother, let me use the light of God. Let us agree together and restore you in the name of Jesus. That's what we have to have more of. And when we get to that point, man, we can start we can start turning the ties around where, you know, we start looking at those young men over there and say, you know what? I want you to go out and be something. Start a family. Have you some children. Let's 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 get back to that. Right. And let's reverse the trend of this 40, 50, 70 percent of sing, uh, of single led homes, whatever, to where we don't have detached fathers from their from their families or whatever, to where we can restore and bring the women in from the standpoint of saying, hey, we're going to get back to the roles that got us to where we were successful. And we know what those times look like. We've detached from them for a while, but we know exactly what they look like. And I want us to just be able to get to a place where we can connect as men and restore some order in this country to where we can share that and bring more people to to the body of Christ and show them a better way of doing life. Man, couldn't say it any better than what you just said it. Uh, You know, even if you're sitting there right now and you, you, I wouldn't found this man. It was a guy in our church, um, prominent doctor. And I was like, he's too busy. He's, you know, but God kept nudging me. And I, I, I was led toward him because I loved how he loved his family, how he loved his wife, how he loved God, how he loved the church, how he, how balanced he was. And I went to him and I said, I need a friend. I need someone and God keeps leading me to you. And, and I was like, I gave him all the reasons. I know you're busy. I know you're the, and you know what? He was like there for me. And as we grew together, our stories were so similar. Oh, and didn't know it. And, but what that did was his strength built more strength into me. And little did I know that my weakness was building strength into him. And it, you know, as men, we got to get, a, I know a lot of men, they don't want to do this because they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to share. They don't want to do this or that. Um, we, we have excuses all day long, but if we want to be men of action, uh, men of God, we got to be men of action and we've got, we have to be accountable or we will fall. And there's none of us that, you know, we need that person holding us up. We really need it. You know, so Ahmad, I really appreciate your words today. I mean, you're just dead on to the mission that we have here at Intentional Guy of just wanting to bring the good stories and good material to us that will help us be a better version of ourselves so that we can be what God wants us to be. I want to encourage our people to to look at your books. I'm going to put uh, a link in here but if you would tell us about um your website and just a little bit before we close on here you know uh mike i'm 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 gonna call a little bit of an audible if you don't mind here because because you just said something when you were talking about the story about the doctor and, and and you went in doing the typical male excuses of oh you know he's not gonna have time for me and this and that and it's just like when I was going through my divorce, I had a, an older gentleman I was staying with for a little while, didn't charge me a thing. And I had tried to figure things out through my divorce and moving around to all these different hotels and all this stuff, man. And I didn't really know this gentleman very well. I only 
we worked out together twice a week and we loosely knew each other. And when I finally just had enough, I, I went to him and he's like, you know, why didn't you come to me sooner? I told you like there was a spot for you. I told you I had room for you. And lo and behold, when he took me in, not only did he have a place for me, I had my own room and I practically had the whole front half of his house to myself, mm. private bathroom, like it, his, his secondary area turned into my office. The upstairs area was kind of like an entertainment room. And it was like, I literally had my own house within that. I wasted six months trying to do things on my own. And I remember sitting down talking with him and he, and he said something to me and this, and maybe some men can resonate with this. And, and I wanted to, um, he said, why are you so disrespectful? And I didn't know where he was going with that. He said, he said, do you go out? He said, I know the work you do. You speak, you work with young people, you serve. And I'm like, yeah, of course I do. He's like, why don't you ever let anyone serve you? Mm. And he's like, it's disrespectful because you're not, you're blocking the blessings of other people. You not going to that doctor and waiting that long. Like you said, you strengthen him. Why? Because now he's asking God to pour into him, to pour into you. But if you don't come to him, he's just doing his own thing. But now he's gained more strength. Yeah going to the father more on your on intercession on your behalf. So how many men out there are looking at other men saying, I, I, I don't want to present to them. You are blocking their blessings. You are yeah. not allowing them to disciple to you. You're not allowing them to point to you. You're not allowing the love of, you're not allowing them to go into prayer and say, man, you know, Lord, give me what, give me what's needed. Create in me a heart to be able to help Michael through whatever he's going through. For I know not what that is, but give me the strength and the fortitude to be able to help Mike through this season. You don't do that. He can't do that. And now the love of God doesn't get to, to flow through everyone. So I wanted to just throw that out there as you that's were just great. sharing about, about the doctor, because to me, that's so important. And I, I got hit with a bag of spiritual Bibles and bricks when he told me, why are you being disrespectful by not allowing me to pour into you? You get to do it, but you don't allow anyone to do it to you. That's disrespectful. And I'm like, huh. all right, thanks God for that. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, I didn't know I was violating <laughs> on some level, but it makes sense. And so uh, anyone who wants to reach out to me, it's Ahmad Vital everywhere. ahmadvital.com. That's the hub for everything. There's some resources there um, that my videos are there. Booking information is there. We want to be able to get to as many cities as possible. We we have multiple cities booked uh, through the rest of this year uh, doing some doing some work. And also, um, uh, Ahmad Vital on all the social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook is our most active, but um, I'm pretty easy to find in that regard. Also, um, the ministry work has really taken off uh, over here. Um, a youth, I'm a youth ministry leader over at Grace Woodlands out here in the North Houston area. Um, and that place has been a game changer for me. Um, I've probably grown more from the powerful men there in the past three years than I have in the past decade. Um, this Ahmad Vital does not show up without the men of grace. Um, sometimes I wake up and don't even know who this man is. And I'm okay with that. We we are here and we're going to make some great and amazing things happen. And and I and I love that this happened at, at the at the perfect time, just as we're trying to to wrap up. And I'm looking to offer, you know, all the good men and families across the country um the opportunity to work with me. Um, you know, just go to my website, put intentional guy podcast in the subject line, info at amodvital.com. Info at amodvital.com. Put this podcast in the subject line. Let me know what's going on with you young people. Maybe they're going through a season. Maybe it's a rough time. They're making some kind of transition. Reach out to me. My team and I will put together a 30-minute 30, 30 discovery call to where we can at least unpack what's going on and get them on a path, maybe a two- to three-step process to get them out of that uh, situation. Completely complimentary. We've been called to be able to work uh, with these young people, especially young men. Um, we're looking to, to, to build them up because um, – over here and in, in, in our organization, we're looking to build an army, yeah. an army of, of powerful young men who are going to go out there and fight the battles because the enemy wants to take all the young men and make them not strong, make them not compete, make them not leaders. And we're not standing for it. 
So yep. we're going to be here for you. Uh, we're going to team up with, with Michael and many other awesome men across the country, and we're going to build up an army of young men. Um, you can continue to do what you think you're trying to do, but we are going to empower our young men, let them know how much God loves them, and also let them take their rightful place in society as leaders, mm -hmm. as leaders of the next generation. Um, we know that there's there's a lot of things going on and, and there's a major attack going against our young people, but there's also a young revival. And I've seen some things recently that lets me know that this generation who's in middle school and high school going into college, they are going to be the ones who are going to turn the tide. Yeah. So what is our job? Our job is to empty it out, empty out all our oil onto them. Mm. All the light God exactly. has given us to be able to pour into these young, these young people and show them that, hey, <laughs> let us empower you. Because, see, the enemy doesn't really want the enemy only wants us to get discouraged and think that, they're, that, that, that the younger generation is already compromised. Yeah. That is a lie. And we know that yeah. you we, we know that you 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 traffic in lies and we know your lies now. And so we, despite all the frustrations, are going to be here to be able to pour into them. And so reach out to me. We'll set that call up. Uh, we'll get them to a place where they can get some things started. I look forward to working with a lot of you guys, partnering with my brother, Mike, over here. And let's get some things started and, and let's rebuild the world from the ground up. Sounds great. And we're going to put in the in the description will be uh, the links to all this. And so to my listeners listening, thank you for watching us today. I hope God has blessed you. Until next time, just keep being intentional. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Intentional Guy podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show and got some real value out of it. Tell others what you learned and share the podcast if you think they would benefit from it too. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform, leave a review, and consider checking out our website, intentionalguy.org, to learn more about us and get in touch. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.